I don't have to be the expert and I don't have to have all the answers. That just truly partnering as a learner is the best type of support they can get. Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our new book, Student-Centered Coaching from a Distance. And I'm Brandon Lewis and I'm an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri. And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together. In this episode's teacher interview, I'm here with Ashlyn Garten, and she's a fourth year teacher um, at Ridgeview Elementary in Liberty, Missouri, which happens to be my new building that I'm a coach in this year. So um, knowing Ashlyn a little bit in the past, but getting to know her a lot better this year um, has been a lot of fun. And one thing that I have learned is that she uh, has the desire to um, become a coach someday. So that um, has been such a cool um, added bonus to my ability to work with her as a teacher and just to get to know her better. So Ashlyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I remember um, the first time that you listened to this podcast and you said, Brandon, my goal is to be on that someday. And I said, I guarantee you we're going to make that happen. So only like a month later, that's, that's pretty good uh, delivery on that promise. Yes, dream come true. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want uh, or maybe the listeners should know about you? Um, like you said, this is my fourth year of teaching. I've been a third grade teacher for all four years, um, and I've been at Ridgeview Elementary. And similar to what you said as well, this is my first year working with Brandon, um, and I had another coach in the past. So it's been really fun um, getting to know another coach and another um, style of coaching. So that's been a blast. And I've already enjoyed working with Brandon. And also I'm super excited to be on the podcast. As soon as I listened, I was like, that is a goal of mine now. So <laughs> thanks to Brandon for making my dream come true here. <laughs> that's what I do. I deliver on dreams. <laughs> so what is it about instructional coaching that piques your interest? Um, there's really a lot that goes into it, but most of all, I fell in love with the idea of coaching after working with coaches within my school. Um, with, within my first three years, I was depending a lot on coaching, and it really just felt like an opportunity for me to take risks that I wasn't willing to take on my own, um, being in my first three years and working with other teachers that had a lot more experience than I did. Um, and so I really leaned on my coach at the time to help me take those risks and build up some of the ideas I had for my kids. So after I kind of started working with the coaches, I decided this might be something I want to do in the future and really started thinking about the larger impact that I would be able to have on students within a school. So we all get into teaching to have an impact on kids. That was my number one goal. And so I feel like I'm ready to start thinking about those next steps. And I also am really passionate about helping teachers, working with teachers and collaborating. So just being able to work alongside other teachers, help them take risks, kind of like I wanted to do in the beginning, um, building teachers up and helping those kids out was just really engaging to me and something that I hope that I can do in the future. I think one of my favorite things about making that switch from a teacher to a coach is that 
that goal of impacting students and their learning doesn't go away and it doesn't change. So I love that that was the goal that you entered with and knowing like whatever step is next for you, that that, that will still always be the goal. Um, and I just, I love that for you and the kids that you come in contact with. Absolutely. I definitely feel like in, in education, no matter where you're at, our kids are at the center of it. And our number one goal is to impact kids in, in a positive way. And so just thinking about that on a bigger picture of I'm right now I'm impacting 20 kids a year or 25 kids a year. So how can I make that even, even bigger, or how can I have a larger impact? How can I help teachers make their impact? Um, it's just, it's a really neat idea. And it's just something that I think about pretty often. So that's kind of what led me here. I feel like the first time I interviewed to be a coach, like what you said is exactly what I, like how I articulated it in one of my answers. It was at the time, I think that year was like, I know that I'm making like a solid impact on 27, but to think that like, I can make that on 600, you know, like it just, that, that like the law of multiplicity just really excited me. And I love that that's something that you're thinking about too. Um, knowing that you had that um, desire to move into a coaching role someday, how do you feel like that is um, maybe impacted the way that you approach teaching and learning in your classroom right now? I'll start talking just about the impact that it's had on how I think about planning and teaching. Um, I am asking myself a lot more questions of why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I want to do something different. And so I always was the person that had this big idea and I wasn't quite sure how to get there or really even why I was doing it. Just, this is what I wanna do. It sounds amazing. I think it's gonna have a great impact on my kids. Um, it's gonna be engaging. But I think back to all the questions that the coaches have asked me in the past. And so I'm starting to do that to myself and saying, okay, if I was gonna to talk to a coach about this right now, they're gonna be asking me these questions. And so I'm finding myself reflecting a lot more on the planning that I'm doing and um, the steps that I'm taking to get there. As far as in my classroom, I feel like I am helping my kids be better coaches to their peers. Um, we have a really big focus on inquiry this year. And for me, that's really hard to um, keep my kids engaged in. I'm someone that has always liked that control piece. And it's kind of helped me take a step back and that's how I'm learning best in my teaching position is through inquiry and through when a coach comes in and is asking me questions and helping me with planning, that's where my best ideas come from, collaborating and asking questions. And so I am trying to instill that same thing in my own students. Um, along with that, I would say I have a student teacher this year for the first time. So that's super exciting in itself. Um, but the same thing, you know, just asking questions instead of giving that direct command or feedback. Um, how did you think that went? What are your next steps? Where do you want to go with this? You know, just focusing on the things that we can ask and then bringing it right back to our kids and um, what's going to have the greatest impact on our kids. So a lot of it is very inquiry driven, I'd say, which it helps that that's a focus in our district right now. Um, but that is the biggest change that I've seen since I've shifted to thinking about coaching. I hear a lot of your former coach in what you're saying right now. <laughs> so Ashley Duvall has been the coach at Ridgeview for, I honestly don't even know the number, but I will say this, 
the whole time I've been a coach for the past six years, she has been a teammate of mine. And I know that's who you've had in the past. And I love hearing the things you're talking about because I know so much of that stems from the work that she did when she was partnering with you. And so I know that as she listens to this, she's going to have a big smile on her face. And this is a huge kudos and shout out to her because this just shows that the coaching she did has been sustainable with you because now you're doing it even with yourself, asking yourself these questions with your student teacher, but also with your students in your room too. And that's, that's ultimately what a coach wants to do is when they then take a step back and are gone, those things still happen and you're doing it in three different ways. And I think that is amazing. Yeah. And it's crazy to think I'm sitting here talking about this, um, reflecting on things I didn't even realize that I was um, intentionally doing. And you're absolutely right. Just learning from Ashley over the past three years has been incredible. And then now seeing you do it, learning from both of you and kind of combining and trying to figure out um, what my coaching style would be, I should say, or um, what I would be like as a coach and trying to kind of find my niche in this while I'm still teaching and while I'm mentoring. And um, that's just, it's been an interesting process. I think um, you, you think of like your craft as a teacher, then you think about you have a craft as a coach too. But the cool thing is based on who you're partnering with or something like that, like that's gonna have to be able to be pliable or change based on the situation and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, it, but that's what's so much fun about it too, I think. Um, and I know that you're gonna see that too and you already are seeing that. Yes, absolutely. Well, Ashlyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I just appreciate uh, not only getting to know you better um, this school year already, and I look forward to working with you more. And selfishly, I look forward to hopefully being um, a teammate with you someday on the coaching team. And um, I'm just really looking forward to that. Uh, thank you so much. And we just really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I've loved listening to you and Diane on your podcast, and I'm feeling really thankful for um, you making my wildest dreams come true here. My podcast dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to our latest episode of Student Centered Coaching, the podcast. And today's conversation is going to be very timely because so many coaches are entering into their new positions in new schools, possibly in new districts. And today we get to hear from Joy Casey, who you may know from our consulting team. Joy has been on our consulting team for a few years now, and she works with districts supporting student-centered coaching as one of her jobs. But another job she has is as an instructional coach in the Brighton School District here in Colorado. And so Joy is going through quite a transition herself this year um, as she moves from a middle school position to an elementary school position. So other than being terrified of coaching kindergarten teachers, Joy, how's it going so far? Well, it's going really well. And actually funny that you mentioned kindergarten because that is who I am in the first coaching cycle with as a kindergarten teacher where we're focused on kindergarten math. So um, just jumping right into those fears and getting them over with. <laughs> well, it's so fun to see you stretching your wings from your middle school math coaching position and um which you were really really just so rooted in and experienced in and confident in um to a whole new kind of 
not only level of school, but also really just the whole relationships and the culture and the principle. And there's so many changes happening in your life. Brandon, you, I know, are also going through a similar change. Yeah. After um, the most recent uh, four years in the same two buildings, I did make one change. So I'm kind of back to that year one with a, with a new staff and just jumping in and building relationships and getting to know uh, new students as well. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, something that I again, I, I feel like I was nervous about, but I love change and it's been really exciting. That's awesome. I'm the only one here who isn't going through a big change. Well, <laughs> which is rare. So Joy, tell us a little bit just about your former position, if you would, as well as what you're doing now. So I originally started out my coaching career as a district math coach for middle school. Um, so I had four different buildings that I was working with the math team in, and I was lucky enough to get to learn firsthand from Diane and Leanna about coaching and student-centered coaching. Um, so that was, we did a lot of learning about how can we truly make an impact uh, over four different buildings and about 25 teachers um, with just one coach. And so it was really thinking about how can we create learning opportunities for teachers, but then still support them through a coaching cycle and the in-between. So um, we really embrace like a learning lab mentality with coaching cycles to, to support um, the work and the growth in the in-between times. And then um, three years ago, I moved from the coach or the district coaching position to a middle school and I was a sole instructional coach there which gave me great experience um, in ELA and social studies and science and really allowed me to open up from just being a math coach to more of an instructional coach um, and it was a great great learning experience um, I believe great instruction is great instruction so that should carry through to any content um, and just seeing that in action kind of helped take some weight off my shoulders of, I have to be an expert at all the things. Well, no, you don't. You just have to know what good instruction looks and sounds like. And then um, really using the student evidence to drive next steps. So fast forward three years, um, my middle school was in a really great spot. Uh, teachers um, were doing amazing things. Our students were showing growth. Uh, my principal was amazing and had a great hold on things and, you know, was ready to take the next steps. And so I just thought, well, maybe I should too. <laughs> so yeah. time to, time to grow, time to challenge myself, time to learn new things. And so I took the opportunity at a brand new elementary school in our district. Yeah. And you, you were kind of pulled toward that elementary school because of the leadership in place there, correct? Yes, my, my principal now was my former assistant principal at the middle school. And so I knew um, his beliefs around coaching and I knew how he would support me and my work in coaching. Um, so it was a pretty easy move. Yeah. Well, and some of you might know Joy, actually, you might recognize her voice or just remember that she was featured quite a lot in our um, videos that we that we created to go with student center coaching the moves and there's a kind of an iconic coaching cycle that we have learned from and shared with others countless times so in those videos you got to see joy 
and a teacher working together in a way that really connected to what we just were hearing, which is the idea of connecting coaching with professional learning. And it was all in a math context and it was super inspirational. So I'm excited to see and hear how you impact your new school. It'll be, it's just a matter of time. I know it. And I believe that too. Um, we have been very intentional about alignment and really making sure that there is no difference between what we're doing in professional learning to our collaboration days, to um, our learning Mondays, and that everything is aligned and focused and that they see coaching as a way to support that work and not anything additional. What is your instructional focus this year? Um, our instructional focus is around intentional planning and also um, really since we are brand new we we are taking a focus of creating this positive climate and culture where collective efficacy is alive and well um, so kind of two different lenses there one around instruction and one around climate and culture so i know in your previous school um, you had really built a strong culture for coaching um, just in that entire school environment. And I know that you said your former assistant is now your lead principal. So I know that he is bringing that as far as from his role, but I still know that a lot of that is still on you, right? To develop that culture of coaching. So um, talk to us a little bit about what that's been like to start the year in a new building for you. Yeah, so it's been very interesting. At least when I went into the middle school, I already had built that trust with the math department. So it was, I already had, the buzz there. Um, this is completely new and it's been really interesting just getting to see and understand the different experiences and perspectives that people have when they hear the word coach and what roles and responsibilities that they think I should have or they believe I have. Um, so I've done a lot of work and just really trying to think about the messaging, right? What is coaching? What is it not? Um, there's been some clarity that needed to happen in my role. Like I am not any, by any means, um, an evaluator, nor do I want to be. My job is to partner. Um, I've had to share my beliefs and I don't think I, I don't mean I had to, I got to share my beliefs around coaching and, and what this looks like and sounds like to me and why I believe it matters. Um, and then I think just by continuing to be consistent in what I say and con consistent in what I model and being intentional with every opportunity that I have to meet with teachers, um, I believe that trust will come. It's going to take one little bite. <laughs> and I think too, once they see the success that um, students are having, right, in those classrooms that you're partnering with their teacher, I think that's going to continue to, to snowball for you too. Um, I'm curious to know, you mentioned like getting that message out and stuff like that. Can you talk through like literally like the tangible pieces of things you have done since this, this is your first year in this building? I'm talking like, are these like email blasts? Are these, uh, you know, is your admin allowing you to have 15 minutes of like pre-service? Like what, what are some of the things that you have actually tangibly done um, for them to really understand your role in the building? Um, so my principle is done a great job of setting up times for collaboration, including professional learning, as well as like collaborative planning days. So I am the facilitator of those. We have also engaged in this really unique opportunity of like what we're trying to install at the building level of a learning lab. 
through those means and measures, like we've set professional learning goals. I really work with them to unpack those goals and think about what your next steps are and the evidence that you'll bring to say that you've met those next steps. So then the following week, I was like, hey, here's a little professional learning all about me and all about student-centered coaching. And here's how student-centered coaching can support you in the next step that you just planned last week. So we literally did the card sort. What is coaching? What is it not? Um, I had them look at student-centered coaching compared to other models of coaching and had them think about and kind of identify where the coaches that they worked with previously were in that model. And then I was allowed to explain, you know, I can do those things, but here's my main goal. Cause I know that if we're near the center, we're going to have more impact on student learning. We did some looking into coaching cycles, what that looks like, what that entails, what the expectations are. Um, around planning and co-teaching and things like that really talked about what does co-teaching look like because a lot of them are coming from a SPED lens of if my SPED teacher is co-teaching with me that looks completely different than an instructional coach. So really just trying to provide them all the clarity that I possibly can um, to ensure that they truly know what to expect. How varied was the perception of coaching throughout your school? like little to no idea what their coach did previously to serving as a quasi administrator. Um, so that's a big range. Yes. And it was very eye opening to me and it was very telling of why some are hesitant and reluctant to engage with time. They will learn to trust. Had any of them heard of or ever engaged in student-centered coaching, or was that new to everyone pretty much in your faculty? I have one teacher that is from Wisconsin, um, and she had experienced with a coach similar to this, co-planning and co-teaching um, a few years ago. But other than that, it was really being about the resource provider or the teacher-centered I'm going to drive by and observe you and then leave you a note card and maybe we'll debrief later. Maybe we won't. That's so interesting because I think it's a huge reminder that we can't assume everybody's thinking about coaching in the same way. And I think even no matter how new you are to a school, you have to have these conversations continuously because there's always new people. Uh, and you build that definition of what it means to be coached in this way over time. But wow, starting from that broad, I mean, if you hadn't done that work, could you imagine how much confusion there would be and lack of, um, you just wouldn't, people wouldn't engage, like you said, because of their pre their predispositions around the work. It's fascinating. Well, and I did get at the beginning of the year, a lot of emails about resources. Well, being new to the elementary, I'm not, I'm not a resource expert. So I would just turn around and then email the coaches at the district level that are resource coaches and say, uh, help, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have these answers, but I'm also very much okay not being a resource expert because I don't want that to be my job. I want to- That's the curriculum on. office. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think too, like, and I remember this even like with my first year of coaching in general, when I'm trying to focus so much on those relationships, and it's almost like this right now at a new building for the first time, and I know you're experiencing this, you're wanting to find that little something that is going to make that connection with a with a with a teacher that you 
had just met, right? So I feel like sometimes it's it's hard to not maybe jump on those little things to be like, well, I know I can like, this could be a connection and I can, you know, it could be that good first impression. Um, but then sometimes it almost kind of pigeonholes you and so that's what you are then. So I don't know if you've been experiencing some of that to start the year and then knowing kind of how to balance that and, and when to go after those things. Absolutely. And I've told them I have, you can come to me with all the questions that you have. I might not know, but I will help us find it. Um, but I agree with you. It's like, I don't want to become an expert in that area because that is not what I want my job to be. Yeah. I want to continue focusing on instruction and we can deliver instruction through the resource, but I don't want the resource to be my job. If you had, if you, if, let's take you back five years, would you have been that wise about that? Or is this, is this, this is, this is really, I think, based in experience, this understanding that you're carrying around this. Absolutely. Because it was easy for me to be a resource coach um, in the math world because I was a math teacher. And so that was kind of the easy transition. Like I knew the content really well. And so now yeah. it's like, I'm learning how to be a coach. And then it was like, oh, now you're coaching all the things. <laughs> so that's when it was really like, okay, good instruction is good instruction. And those instructional strategies that are high yield can be transferred content to content. So it's not about the resource, it's about the student learning. There's, um, we're always kind of trying to find that balance between being super patient as a coach when you're in a new school, because you have to let those relationships grow over time. And you know, it takes time, more time with some than others, but you also have to just put yourself out there. There's this combination of kind of humility and kindness and patience and that I can do this. I'm not waiting in the wings for somebody to signal they want to work with me. I have to make stuff happen, right? So is that is that kind of how you ended up in this kindergarten coaching cycle? Tell us a little bit about how that played out. Well, um, luckily, she had just, um, she's only a second year teacher. She wants to learn and grow. So she actually came to me and said, you know, now that we've created this professional learning goal, I'd really love some support in, in reaching that goal. And um, we just kind of talked about what she was looking for in terms of that support, what that would actually mean. I was kind of like, hey, here's what I can do. <laughs> we can co-plan and co-teach. And she just jumped right in, which has been awesome. And we picked math because she said that she loathes math. And I'm like, no, because then the second day after school that we co-taught, she ran out to me in the in bus duty and said, that was so much fun today. Oh, so, so yeah, I got really lucky with her just coming to me, but I also um, have built some stronger relationships with some of my teachers who I did avid training with this summer. And so my next step is just to go to them and say, hey, please do a coaching cycle with me because um, I'm eager to jump in and I know that they'll they'll be okay with that. I'm guessing you went into that kindergarten class as a learner versus as an expert. Absolutely. Uh, what were some ways you kind of settled into that role as a learner and a coach at the same time in a kindergarten classroom? Because I, I remember the first time I had to coach in a kindergarten classroom and I had been an upper grade teacher and I couldn't go in and pretend I knew everything. 
to get related to emergent readers and math and such. But I, I, I was able to really settle in as a co-learner and, and really learn from that teacher. Did you find yourself doing some of those things too? Absolutely. I even have my own dot spot on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. So yes, very much so. And it's, it's, it's become like when we first started, it was me really just getting in there and seeing where kids are at that level, like understanding what they're working on and why. And then through the co-planning lens, um, Bree's been awesome about letting me do some micro modeling. We do a lot of teaching in tandem. Um, so this is only like the second week of our cycle and, and it's already growing to be so much more. But yes, I definitely had to sit back and, and just do some of the crazy dance breaks and have my own dot spot and help open their milks at lunch. Yeah. To help them. Yeah. <laughs> For them to see Miss Casey as another co-teacher. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm proud of you too. For that's clearly, I mean, coming from the middle school level, like that's got to be out of your comfort zone. So for you to jump in like that, I think that I think that just speaks volumes to the rest of the staff too, for them to see like that. So I think that's great that you're doing that. Being able to jump right into one of those classrooms um, has done wonders for creating that trust and building that relationship. So earlier you referenced that you'd be trying out learning labs this year in in your new school. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those look like? Absolutely. So um, in 27J, we use an acronym called GEL, which is really just goal, evidence, learning experiences, and learning environments. So on Learning Mondays, we will have um, an entire learning session about goal. Then through PLCs every week, we will dive in a little bit deeper into goal and what that means in terms of teacher clarity. And then every other week we'll be doing learning walks or observations where as a a group of learners, um, we are going into other colleagues' classrooms with the lens of our own goal, with the lens of teacher clarity um, and just learning to take away to take away things that they can implement in their own classrooms. So when you say learning walks, are teachers involved in those too? So it's, is it an evaluative learning walk or more of kind of a instructional rounds where teachers are walking around as a, as a collegial team? So we're really trying to create that culture of learning um, and the culture of like open door policy and we're better together. That whole work of collective efficacy is, is part of this. And it, it is truly, um, it's, me and that grade level of teachers going in to see another classroom and with the lens of let's look and see what the students are doing and saying and then let's come back and and really use the protocol to think about what's next for me in my practice that's great we get a lot of questions about if coaches should be engaged in learning walks and you just explained the time I think they should be, which is when teachers are doing it for collective efficacy or to build a shared vision. And I say, avoid coaches going on learning walks if it's more of the the suits from downtown or the principals coming around to check on implementation, then it would probably not be healthy for collective efficacy. So your example really gets at the idea of um, teachers and coaches 
sharing that vision for what, what does teaching and learning look like in our school? When I'm working with your team, Diane, I get to tell a story. Um, you know Christina and how excited she is to get into classrooms and just your learn. principal, yeah. Yes, <laughs> very excited. Um, and so she's always like, come with me, come with me, let's go wherever. And I'm like, sure. But when she has her clipboard, I know that that's a formal evaluation and I do not go. <laughs> yeah, yes, good Good time to, good time yes. to dodge I'm it. Like, yeah, yeah. You have that's your a good rule to follow. Christina. <laughs> cannot go when you have your clipboard <laughs> but then she will still like message me afterwards and be like you got to go check out eighth grade math they're killing it uh, well, <laughs> so then I she, can go up after <laughs> she has such a positive stance toward teachers in the school it's always strengths-based so that that goes a long way Joy, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that are either a first year coach or they're in the same boat as us this year where they're in their first year in a different building. What would be some advice that maybe you'd have for them now that we're anywhere from a few weeks to potentially a month into that first year? Anything that they come across as an aha to them in their coaching role, share that. Like the coaching is and coaching isn't. Anything that provides clarity about us and our role, about our beliefs, um, about our work should be shared. Beliefs are such an important part in sharing those beliefs. And I love this the quote from Simon Sinek. He says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And it sounds like you're really advocating for new coaches, whether they're new to schools or even new to, to coaching in general, to um, to get clear on their why and to be really transparent about their beliefs and their practices. All of the, the work you did in your school really manifests that and shows what that looks like. Would you agree or do, do you think that that's straightforward for coaches to, to be prepared to share their why? Or do you think there's a, little, there's a little work there? They have to understand their own why first. So going through the golden circles of the why and then the how and the what is super beneficial it was for me anyways and then and then putting that out there if you truly believe that we are all learners and we're better together we have to sometimes have courage to share that and put ourselves out there one of the features of student-centered coaching that is essential you've talked about co-planning which is certainly one of our core practices but being in classrooms is really key and Sometimes as a new coach, it can feel kind of awkward to go into classrooms or to try to be a part of classroom instruction because classrooms can feel like private spaces. So is there a way you're kind of um, paving the way to get into classrooms throughout the school in a way that doesn't feel evaluative and, and feels like there's purpose to it? Yeah. Um, so again, thinking of all the different experiences that my teachers are coming to this new building with and, and thinking about that open door policy versus closed door policy, um, what I've really been trying to do is just ask ahead of time if I can come and join them in their room and be a learner um, with them and see learning take place. And so when that happens, I, I come in and I either sit on a dot spot or I sit in a desk and I just engage in the in the lesson and the instruction that's being given and talk to kids like I'm right there with them. So that's one way that I've really been intentional about um, being getting into classrooms and, and learning 
because all of this is new to me. Um, so I think when they say, when I say, can I come in as a learner, they truly understand that and believe that. That is key instead of as an evaluator. Absolutely. I love that. That'll definitely lead to more trust and more coaching partnerships in the future. Yeah. I, and I, I know I've said it on this in previous episodes before, but that is something I think about all the time is entering a relationship as a learner and not as an expert. And, and not just for what that can do for the potential partnership with a teacher and their students, but like, it just puts me in the right mindset too, to where I really want to learn what's going on and learn together um, with them. So I love that you're doing that. And I think what you said, Brandon, about being an expert, that was something that I held on to a lot at this very, very beginning of my coaching um, experience. And it was Diane and Leanna that really helped me understand that I don't have to be the expert and I don't have to have all the answers that just truly partnering as a learner is the best type of support they can get. Joy, with you switching buildings, um, I know a lot of times your philosophy won't change. So I'm kind of curious of how you're going to go about scheduling your coaching cycles and kind of monitoring, um, your calendar this year. Yeah, so my goal will eventually be to get to the 60-40 of 60% of my time is in those coaching cycles. Um, right now, being new and earning that trust um, from my teachers, I only have one, one person fighting at those coaching cycles. Um, but I believe with time that more teachers will authentically want to engage in those. And as they come to me, I will be more than happy to sign them up. So I think it's just more of a when they're ready type of, of scheduling for me this year. Um, in the past, it has been a little more structured to say, you know, here's the units of study that are coming up, who wants in, like, and do it that way. But this year, I think it needs to happen more organically. Um, just to continue with that relationship building and the trust building. And like I said, with some of my, if this coaching cycle is, is over and I don't have any more people knocking at my door, um, I'm going to go knock on a few doors that I know would be open and willing. I think that's great that you were able to form some relationships over the summer to where you do feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know Are through some of the professional learning that you're going to offer, I mean, it could follow from that or it could, you know, you never know. Sometimes it could be just that random email you send that just someone attaches to that and they follow up with you. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that it's going to happen for sure. How, when, when you finish this year in this school, how do you, how many teachers, this is very tactical, but how many teachers do you think you'll do coaching cycles with? Well, um, being a brand new school, our enrollment is pretty low. And so our staff number, we only have two teachers per grade level um, and three at kinder. So I, I envision every single teacher being coached through a coaching cycle by the end of the year. That's I, awesome. That's a, I mean, I think that's a lofty goal, but I think that's great too. You're not a first year coach coming to a new building. You're an experienced coach, but coming to a new building. So yes, it might be less than what you would do in, in years past because you still are building those relationships. But I love that you have that set high. I think that's fantastic. But that would be probably about 12 teach, yes. 12 teachers. Okay. So 12 teachers, 12 cycles across the year. I do want to say though, that still does give you a lot of room for 
your data team meetings and your informal support and your, you know, the work you're doing around collective efficacy and the goal setting, if, if folks are listening and they're thinking, wow, 12 coaching, 12 teachers and coaching cycles across the school year is a lot. It's actually quite manageable um, for a full-time coach in a single school of that, of that size. Do you plan to celebrate your evidence of impact from your coaching cycles? Um, like for example, this kindergarten one, like the student growth and the teacher growth is a way to engage more teachers? Absolutely, I think that um, could be done during a staff meeting um, or uh, through our newsletter. Um, I do take my results-based coaching tool to my weekly principal meeting and share that with him just so that he knows what our goal was and then what we are working on um, in terms of instruction in the classroom and kind of celebrating some things that are going well in that coach and principal meeting. But then also using that tool um, as, as a focus for planning too. That's, I've been working with that tool for years and I don't know why that never occurred to me, but it comes to all of our planning meetings and we say, okay, remember these are the instructional strategies that we wanted to work on. So let's make sure that we're intentionally planning those into our lesson. I cannot wait to hear where you end up at, at the end of this year and, and all of the learning you get to have as a coach and as a partner, and also just sort of the confidence that's gonna build over time as you get more experiences under your belt in the, in the good old elementary world, which I think is an amazing place to be. Joy, we appreciate your um, openness and just your vulnerability. Um, I know that you have been a coach for a long time, but you are experiencing something new this year. And a lot of our listeners are too. So we just appreciate you just opening up and, and sharing that and hopefully um, being a voice for some of them that are out there that are going through some of the same stuff this year. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys. Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, is brought to you by Diane Sweeney Consulting. For more information, visit dianesweeney.com. Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SCCoachingPod.